What's up? What's up, Ding Dongs? Oh, he really, he brought that back. It's still happening. I mean, I've got to have a catchphrase. I've decided I need to make something happen. Um, If it's not going to be what's up, Ding Dongs, and I haven't heard a compelling reason why it shouldn't be. Um, First of all, Brad's having to work hard with that dick jar because it counts. I don't think it should count. Ding, ding, ding. I think it does. Okay. Well, sure. Uh, Anyway, what's up, Ding Dongs? This is the Side Talks podcast. My name is Corey Kraft. I'm Rachel Morgan. I don't, I don't, I just want to go on record, but Uh I don't don't support this Ding Dong thing. I I mean, like, I just don't, it's not. In lieu of a better option, it's what's up, Ding Dongs. Uh, Okay. Um, All right. I'm just, I'm on the record. (laughs) I'm just delighted by it. I'm not in support. I'm not delighted. I, I'm I'm delighted by a lot. I I don't know why. I've, I'm in I'm in a I'm in a mood today, uh, and I'm ready to talk about cinema, which is what we primarily do. All right. On this podcast. Yeah, you know what? Ding dongs are like a hostess. Yeah. Thing. It's like a snack cake. Yeah. So maybe I'm talking about the snack cakes, or maybe not. A ho ho. I'll never tell. Do they still come wrapped in foil? Is that in that what those? Are? I don't know. I'm allergic to all of that stuff. Yeah. Well, so. that's why you aren't allowed to say it. Anyway, let's talk about the movies. Get ready for a five-minute fight. Five-minute round one fight. fight. Here we go. Here we go. So I have been to the movie theater. That's right. And I have seen a film that got mentioned a couple episodes ago. It did? Uh, called Elvis. Directed by Boz Lorman. Uh-huh. And Brad, do you want to go ahead and start the timer? So, as predicted, <laughs> you oh, didn't care for Elvis. This, not only do I not care for it, Corey, uh-huh. this film is a disaster. It's not it's a disaster. It's an absolute That's, come fucking on. disaster. It's painful. It's stupid. It's inaccurate. <laughs> it's not fun. It's, it's cringeworthy. It's hard to look at. It's hard to watch. It's chaotic and, and not in a fun way. And it is like the worst fever dream you've ever had. But other the, than that, how do you like it? Oh, terrible, 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 terrible. Mm. Not enjoyable at all. Mm. And I don't even know kind of where to begin with this. The first 30 minutes, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And my girlfriend turned to me and even said, you know, not only is it is it bad, but it's just not enjoyable. And I completely, I think that's such a good observation. It, it isn't even, sometimes, you know, things that are really cringeworthy and embarrassing kind of hee hee and look at it and, and have fun, but it is not fun. It is cringeworthy. And I, I I'm going to, I'm going to shut up for a minute cause I have some other points to make, but I will uh-huh. let you talk for a second because you went on and on about how this is baztastic and it is, I mean, if baztastic, if the definition of that is shit tastic, then you're absolutely right. It is. Well, the definition of baztastic is to put, uh, a, a an audience in a, a state of, um, uh, I don't know, Basphoria, um, oh at God. seeing You're you not know, chaotic imagery and and just swirling, you know, sound editing and all of that. Look. Um, if you're expecting a film that's not chaotic from Boz Lerman at this point, I don't know what to tell you because he's our sort of preeminent sort of messy bitch in the cinema. I, I expect to go into a public restroom and for it to stink. It doesn't make it okay. But – Oh, well, that, that's there not is, a good comparison. There, there is lit- – oh, it's an absolute comparison. I would have rather spent the two hours and 23 minutes in the bathroom at the AMC. Truly, it was that fucking terrible. I would have rather been in the bathroom with Elvis when he died than watch this fucking oh, thing. Oh, goodness. Let me just tell you. And that wasn't a fun bathroom to be in because, oof, 
yeah. No, oh it's so, it's 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 overwhelming in the best way for no. me. I got swept up in the sort of cinematic grandeur of it, like I do in, at Baz's best. I don't think the this diarrhea is tsunami best. is what you got wrapped up in. It's well, fucking awful. Uh, There's one a man's, scene. You know, one cinematic man. rapture is another another uh, <laughs> podcast co-hosts. Um, uh, diarrhea, diarrhea wave. Well, I don't remember what you said. <laughs> diarrhea tsunami. There's literally a scene where Elvis is on Beale Street, and I'm putting Elvis in quotes. And in the window, you know, there's a man. Hey, baby. I mean, it's so stupid and so it's so inaccurate. It's so frustrating. Nothing in this film that happens has actually actually happened. No, probably and it's a not. biopic. But I, like, it I, doesn't you know, make any fucking sense. The best part is the actual footage of Elvis's last performance at the very end of uh-huh. the film, which I would pay to see on the big screen. That's the only thing I can say, but it's the only thing redeeming about this. That is not his mother. It's not anything like his mother. It may look a little like her, but the personality is not there. And by the way, she's the one that looks the most like any of the actual people. You didn't think that Austin Butler's performance as Elvis was any good? No, I think it had a couple of moments here and there. He's probably best around the comeback special era. Yeah, he's really good in that. But it's not great. I've also seen a lot of Elvis impersonators and they're just a dime a dozen. No offense to them, but there's a lot of people who can emulate Elvis Presley, it doesn't make something worthy of of paying to see or worthy of of you know having Elvis roll over in his grave for. I think that you've articulated there a key difference between you and I seeing this movie, which is that you have a lot more knowledge and investment in Elvis Presley as a man who lived as an entertainer, as an actual figure than I do. That's only part of the problem. I mean, that is certainly part of it, but part of that originates in the fact that there are so many interesting, amazing things about Elvis's life, including the fact that, you know, where they, they gloss over this very quickly, but he had a twin brother that died was supposedly stillborn or died sure, shortly sure. thereafter. It's it's hard to say. And there and he sort of grew up with this feeling that that maybe he had absorbed the energy of this. I don't think other that's glossed person. over in this movie. It, it isn't. I'm saying that that is like Nick Cave wrote an entire book based on just that. Well, right. Sure. There's some really interesting shit that goes around this 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 sort of legend of Elvis. And so if you're going to go this direction with it, where it's folklorish and it's not really what what what's rooted in reality but it's this sort of fantastical there's so many jumping off points and why why do this film i mean it plays into baz's preoccupations with just like glitz and celebrity yeah i mean i feel like he read elvis's wikipedia entry and he went with that it doesn't feel like he did any real research and also you know we have these we have these performances where people are tr- it's transformative i mean don't make me mention charlie's their again but why doesn't this gentleman who's playing elvis gain a little fucking weight that was kind of jarring i'll admit that but, I'll give you a couple more seconds because I know I talked a lot, but I'm no. I mean, look, I, I I think it's a good movie, solidly good, but it's not a great movie. It does have its problems. I don't. I'm not offended by the the concept of using the iconography of Elvis as a jumping off point to explore, you know, explore this character in this sort of fantastical, purely cinematic realm that doesn't really bear any resemblance to reality. If I have no problem If you're going to do no it, it has to be that. fun. I don't necessarily have a problem I, with I that either. With it. it has to be fun. And I, I thought this was the opposite of fun. This is pretty. This thing was pretty miserable. I, I He he embraces the, the, the hoary old tropes of the music biopic, but for some reason for me, by just leaning fully into it and going full operatic baz, 
it made it palatable again. Ooh, this is not palatable. And what's the grossest part is this, just leave certain things alone. Like, leave alone the issues that people have with Elvis when it comes to race. Oh, he couldn't if have If you're going to celebrate Elvis, will you, but then you can't create some kind of false narrative where Elvis is all of a sudden so shaken up by the MLK assassination. It wasn't that Elvis wasn't shaken up by that, but he, it was, he didn't really have... His his perspective on race wasn't what this character is described as being, mm. and and that's not necessarily a redeemable quality about Elvis. So don't touch it, but don't falsify it. Well, I, yeah, I can't speak to the yeah. veracity. It's of gross. It. It's gross. If you, there's things that you can embellish and celebrate about Elvis that are real and legitimate, that is not one of them. Well, so you heard it here, folks. Uh, two thumbs Sorry. up on Elvis, and we're going to turn now to Sam, Sam, Sam for I'm, I'm Sam's not, I, judgment. Oh man, okay. Um, okay, so Rachel said it's like the worst fever dream she's ever had, which honestly made me want to go see this movie. Um, <laughs> and just everything you described it as seems appealing to me in the Baz Luhrmann kind of shit show um, method. Um, I truly still can't believe that Tom Hanks is actually doing what he's doing in yeah, the movie. Yeah, we didn't even talk about Tom because I think we're both pretty pretty negative on oh, Tom. Corey didn't want me to bring that up because I, he's I didn't, so because terrible. It's, it's definitely a flaw of the movie. The whole, yeah. Pretty much everything to do with Tom Hanks. Like, I haven't seen it, but I know that his character is the framing device for the entire Elvis story, which is just an the insane worst. choice to me. Um and I also have, because of the movie, I've seen the movie clip compared to the real life clip where apparently Elvis actually did. He said, Lord have mercy and shoved the entire microphone into his mouth, made a weird noise. Um, so that there's sounds that. sounds about right. <laughs> um, Corey, let's say, gets a million points for coining the term Baztastic as well as Bazphoria and another 100,000 points for referring to Baz Luhrmann as cinema's preeminent messy bitch. Uh, Rachel gets a million points for saying she'd rather spend that time in the bathroom where Elvis died instead of actually watching the movie. Um, this one's really close. I didn't know where I was going to go at the end. Um, I should get some points neck for... and neck at the finish line. Wait, I want points you, for diarrhea you're tsunami. You're just assuming that you've lost. I want points for okay, diarrhea tsunami. Oh, man. That might, that might make it a tie then. <laughs> it ought to be a fucking solid win on my part. <laughs> it's not solid. Um, Neither is that oh, diarrhea man. tsunami that I want points <laughs> for. Almighty. God almighty. It's so close, but Corey wins by just a tiny what little bit. But like a hair. Brad, Brad. <laughs> you I'm heard it here first. Seriously call 911. Elvis so is a good movie. This off. This is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> ah, victory. She tastes Elvis great. Elvis is rolling over his grave now again, again, and again, and again. Sidewalk home video. Man, sit your ass down. Okay, well, that was a cool new intro that Brad did for us. Yes. With the little sidewalk home video of the new segment. Only this is the second time we've done it. Only the second time. So we're really just getting into it because the first time was really just teeing it up, as they say. That's right. So uh, continuing with that, I might just pose a couple of questions for you, you former video store employee. (laughs) So you once worked at a video store. This is going to be a little before your time, I think, working at this video store. But Uh I'm going to throw this question at you because my guess is this continued in popularity. Sure. Do you know? What the most successful VHS release of all time is? Hmm, that's a very good question. Uh, it was, I mean, was it something like ridiculous, like Look Who's Talking or <clears throat> Three Men and a Baby or something like that? Mm-hmm. I mean, those are movies that I feel like crest right at the 
the the height of the VHS wave. I'm going to give you some more hints. Okay. Different kind of ridiculous. Different kind of ridiculous. The kind of film that could would continue to be rented over and over and over again. Uh, not a holiday film, but similarly, you know, you sort of this gets passed along over and over again. Hmm. It was released on VHS in 1995. Oh, so we're talking about yeah. What, so what would that be? 1994. Um, w- this wouldn't be Speed, would it? No, but that's a good guess. This is actually The Lion King. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I yeah, I don't know why my head was not in Disney videotape right, space because everybody owned those clamshell VHS copies of Disney animated films. Yes, that and kids are stupid and they <laughs> and they and they rent the same shit and watch the same shit over and over again and then when you grow up to be a stupid adult, you rent the same shit for your kids over and over and over again. Or you own the Lion King on 4K ultra high definition yeah. Blu-ray disc. Same difference. So just so you know, it also did really well on DVD, yeah. as I'm kind of suggesting. And the sales reached 32 million copies with a revenue of $520 million. Still not as much as Maverick has made <laughs> since its opening, but you know, good job, Lion King. Well, listen, you and I ran in different circles in 1994. Uh, for sure. Um, for sure. But the circles in which I ran which was the eight to 10 year old demographic right. were fucking nuts over the Lion King. Yeah. This uh, was you're, the you're biggest. Guilty. You're part of this 520 million. This was one of the biggest things pretty much ever. The Lion King was a seismic event and well, that soundtrack was everywhere and everybody's oof. families were just like, this is, this is the movie. This is the movie of the summer slash of the year. And it's the, the movie that we can feel good taking our kids to and buying the videotape and just putting them in front of the television to watch over and over and over again. Hence, the most successful VHS release of all time. Yeah. So I wanted to also take this uh, this segment down a little bit of a different road. Okay. okay. And so here's the way that we're going to do certain things. I'm going to just go image search for VHS stores. <laughs> okay. I've okay. got a couple of books on the history of VHS stores that have or, or video rental stores. Let's just call them because we're not just talking about VHS. We're going to move into the DVD world too, but. You know, video rental stores, I've got a bunch of history of, and I could just flip through those and see all kinds of beautiful little images. And, of course, if you just do an image search for, you know, video rental shelves, you're going to see a lot. And I'm just going to zoom in (laughs) randomly on some spines or some covers. And what I zoomed in randomly on this time is a film I bet you do not know. Okay. From 1977, which isn't necessarily your era, first of all. No, it's not. But this is definitely a deep cut from 1977. It is a film called One on One. You're right. I don't know this at all. I just saw the spine in the photo when I went and then Googled the image for the cover. I very much recognize it from being Mm. on the shelf of the video store. It did not, wasn't enough of an allure for me to have ever rented this. But I do remember the cover and it was released by Warner, distributed, uh, or excuse me, directed by Lamont Johnson. Okay who I doubt you know because he's mostly directed TV, including most – I think the last time he directed something, it was one of my beloved episodes of Felicity, but just one. Huh, okay. It stars – this film stars Robbie Benson, Annette O'Toole, and J.D. Spradlin. Okay, so I feel like 
I mean, to bring it back to Disney, Robbie Benson, famously the voice of, I think, the Beast in Beauty and the Beast. Oh, is he? So a '90s reference there. Um, '90s animated specifically. So this is starting to ring some bells, but I've not seen it. So here's the here's this very brief synopsis: A small town basketball star goes to college and tries to impress his tutor, teammates, and coach. Okay. It is written by Robbie Benson and Jerry Siegel, and don't get confused by the names. Jerry Siegel is Robbie Benson's dad. Is okay. Yes. It also has a very small cameo appearance and really can't even call it cameo because she wasn't famous yet from Melanie Griffith, who plays is credited as being the hitchhiker. Oh, okay. Yep. And so when you read the reviews for this thing, it's numerous comparisons to Rocky, but this thing was shot before Rocky was even shot, much less released. Wow. All right. Yeah. And so I went and watched a scene because the idea here is that maybe we land occasionally, we'll probably land occasionally on something that might interest somebody. And we can give, I can give a suggested thumbs up or thumbs down based on a little (laughs) bit of research and a scene if I haven't seen it. And perhaps in some cases, a film that either both of us or one of us has seen that we can thumbs up or thumbs down to go try to track this thing down if it interests you. I mean, we're not getting crazy like the 80s all over, guys, and watching entire years worth of films here. We're just trying to pick some (laughs) shit off the video shelf and decide whether or not maybe you should see it. Yeah, we definitely don't have time to watch entire years worth of films, at least not right now. No, no, (laughs) no. As a matter of fact, we are watching entire years worth of films. That just hap- that year happens to be 2021, 20, 22. Yep. Okay, so this in the scene, Robbie Benson is being tutored. He's got his little, as, as you could tell from the synopsis, he's gone. He's, little, he's an athlete, right? He's mm-hmm. got his little athlete clothes on. And it does feel very 70s. They're in like kind of a, what would have been kind of like a sitting room at a library, and he's being tutored by an attractive young woman who, uh, as you can probably guess, is Annette O'Toole. Very good skin. Annette O'Toole has very good skin. And so while this is happening, there's a there's a young man pacing in the room who clearly is is the uh, boyfriend of mm-hmm. the tutor, right? The, his, and I I learned very quickly the boyfriend's name is Malcolm. Good gets boyfriend said name. A lot. Yeah, it's a it's a great boyfriend name. He's pacing, and she kind of turns to him and says, "We'll be done soon." And she continues to to tutor. Now there are so many issues I'm already having here. First of all, if your boyfriend is pacing in the background while you're, I'm assuming, getting paid to tutor. Tell his ass to leave, first of all. <laughs> Second of all, if you're the person being tutored while a jealous boyfriend is pacing the room, go and get some help from somebody in HR at the college you're at because this something's wrong. Everything you just said is correct. Yes. However, I, I do have to question if during the course of the movie, old Malcolm gets kicked to the curb <laughs> okay, in favor of it. this this young just man. Just wait for it because I'm only in there for a good 80 seconds okay. and I'm going to already let you know what's going to happen and it does get weird. <laughs> So he's pacing, we'll be done soon kind of thing. And then he interrupts being real aggro. He gets real fucking aggro. Like while they're talking about tutoring stuff, he's like, Ugh. and and being really nasty about athletes and, and calling Robbie Benson's character a non-intellect. And, you Whoa, know, just, Malcolm? That's... Yeah. And, you know, if the girlfriend is a little on board for this, kind of challenging the structure of, of sports, which I don't, whatever, tutor, you know, so <laughs> what? You like math, whatever. I'm not supporting either side of this necessarily, but it did seem a little aggro to me. And so, you know, Robbie Benson begins to try to to have this conversation and defend sports as a whole. And as he begins to say, I think Malcolm goes, no, you don't. Before he can even say anything else. And I was like, well, that's kind of a sick burn, Malcolm. Malcolm. 
Malcolm for the win there. And so he, he, this provokes uh, Robbie Benson to get up and start to leave and Malcolm to further kind of crank up some bullshit. And the girlfriend to scream, shut up, Malcolm, shut up. Right. So no longer does she have his back. This then leads Robbie Benson to say something about you're a hippie and you all smell alike and look alike, which I was like, well, maybe you are kind of stupid because that's really not a great insult. That's a like you shop at Kmart level insult. Also, it was very dumb. Yeah, what nineteen seventy seven? We're still doing that shit. Well, that's what Malcolm said. Uh, Malcolm kind of goes, "Oh, that's so passe." Oh my god! <laughs> so you, did I write did, this movie? Are you Robbie Benson's dad? <laughs> so anyway, that that happens, and then this is where it gets real fucking weird, Corey, because you know Malcolm's out of line, but clearly so is Robbie Benson's character. He does not take the high road. And so during the sparring and this telling the girlfriend telling Malcolm to shut up, she kind of is comforting Robbie Benson in a way that feels very intimate. Mm. And I'm like, okay, what's going on? To where they're, she's almost kind of hugging him. Well, she kicks Malcolm out. And then they begin to kind of embrace, which this is not an embraceable moment. And also, I would have been like, bitch, you threw me under the bus a little bit a minute ago. <laughs> and now you up and out, Mal- uh, up on Malcolm, but whatever. Okay. And so then, you know, she says, Malcolm, get out. So there you go. And then Malcolm has the weirdest comeback. And he turns to her and says, I hope you have to sleep with him. Have to? Right. I'm like, like what is happening? Under what circumstances? <laughs> so... Long story short, thumbs up. We think you should run it. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and, and again, this is like 80 seconds of screen time. This is a single oh, sequence. Yeah. I mean, it was random, randomly fallen upon. And this, yeah, not even a minute and a half probably here. Wow. So the film is one-on-one, 1977. Take a look at it. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of the Side Talks podcast. We're your own personal cinematic Owen and Andrew Wilson. Aw. You're Andrew. Oh. Oh, he's the really not attractive one. He no, is He is in Bottle Rocket. He, he does have one of the funnier moments in the Royal Tenenbaums. He's the, the hick relative who tells Margot to put the... Um, the stump on the the you know the chopping stump and he yeah. takes her finger off and his corn cob pipe falls out of his mouth in shock. Yeah, it's good, oh, good you're stuff. welcome to have that. I'll, I'll take mean, it. I'll take it. I like I like Andrew Wilson. Andrew Wilson's really funny and and super like uptight and mean in Bottle Rockets. So that's that's fun. I mean Owen Wilson, you know some. Uh, well, I won't go there. Uh, probably not the most fun person to choose to be, but in this particular instance, I'm. He's on the upswing. He's doing great. He's good. he's in the, that Andrew. Loki TV show, and he's a lot of fun in that. Uh, I know that you're not up on your Marvel Cinematic not, Universe I'm television not. programming, but uh, he's good in it. And um, hopefully, you know, he he reteams with his buddy West to make another uh, cool motion picture. At well, he won't be soon. teaming up with Andrew, and we'll leave Luke out of us unless Sam wants to be Luke. Sam is definitely Luke. That's a good call. Yeah, good job, Richie Tenenbaum over there. Well, anyway, thanks to Batwell Studios. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks to Revelator Coffee, our sponsor. Visit us online at SidewalkFest.com or check us out on social media at Sidewalk Film. We are in the process of releasing the lineup. Yeah, first eight titles or nine titles actually out the gate. First nine titles. There are probably more when you're hearing this or there will be soon. So keep an eye on social media accounts for that information. We're gearing up to announce some big titles, some special events at the 24th Annual Sidewalk Film Festival, August 22nd through 28th in downtown Birmingham. You're going to want to get those passes. That website again, sidewalkfest.com.
Bye. Boutwell Studios Podcast Division. Your words, our expertise.